I think having a solid morning routine, doing devotionals, being a part of Bible study, being really focused on putting myself in growth opportunities. And so I'm like constantly growing. I think of all the seminars and things that I've done, like all these different things or hiring a business mentor, joining a mastermind. I'm always thinking like, what's that next level? Where are the people that are at where I want to be? And how can I get in that room with them? Like, how can I hang around them and learn the things that they're learning? How can I get that support? How can I find that mentor who's been there before me? Tony Robbins says you can compress decades into days when you have the right strategy. So I'm like, who has the strategy and who can help me overcome my own limiting beliefs? And so hiring a mentor who's great at business, but also great at leadership, who can see my blind spots because we all have. And so making sure I'm always thinking like, how can I keep growing? What's that next level look like? I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's episode on the show is going to reflect some deep insights on subjects such as perseverance, perspective, and Pinterest. That's right, Pinterest. And Rachel Engome initially caught my attention with her entrepreneurship journey of going from living on food stamps and having negative 400 hours in her checking account to building a business that was making multiple six figures a year. And something else that caught my attention was how she has mastered using the highly popular social media app, Pinterest, which as you will learn, can benefit anyone. But before we recorded, I also learned that she recently moved to Senegal, a country in West Africa, which is ironically the same place where she met her husband. So I thought it was only fitting, given the times that we're in, to unpack some of her insights on the move, uh, the lifestyle there, and also have us take a closer look on what we should be thankful for. And today, Rachel is the host of the She's Making an Impact podcast. She is a business and lead generation expert. She helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs drive more traffic, leads, and sales through Pinterest, blogging, and strategic use of automation. And we certainly uncover her story that I mentioned previously and talk about exactly how she was able to overcome the struggles that came with that. We also discuss how to compress time and the value of that in order to achieve success in an efficient way. Uh, We talk about creating a new normal in your life and why you need to, um, to become the best version of yourself. We get into why you need to take massive risks in your life in order to get what you want. We also discuss why you need to attach a deep enough why to whatever you're doing um, before life attaches it for you. Uh, she shares some business tips, of course, and we talk about all things Pinterest. But I think my favorite part of our conversation uh, was the perspective shift that she experienced from her move to West Africa that she shares. So I think when y'all are done listening to this episode, you're certainly going to feel more grateful and blessed. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Rachel Engome to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And it's funny, we were talking before we recorded and you were telling me that you recently moved to West Africa 
And I was like, something that's, that's really important, I think you could share on, especially for times like these, is you've gone from someone who's lived all across the world, really in different parts of the United States and lived a good life in the United States. And now you're in West Africa. What has that done to your level of gratitude? How has that changed your perspective on things to help you live a better life? I think that's a good place for us to start. Oh, grateful for everything and getting really uncomfortable and understanding just how blessed I am. And gosh, like the first week here, I'm not going to lie. It was it was an adjustment. It was rough where we were staying. It was like this apartment downtown. I was trying to do a launch for my business and like we just adjusting to internet and buying credit and then doing our son doing virtual school and running out of internet and having the baby crying, trying to go for a walk where there are no sidewalks in the sand. And I'm like getting in my head thinking, oh my gosh, the pollution, it's hard to breathe. And then I'm looking and I'm seeing these kids that are playing with like a rolled up tire and like plastic bags without shoes. And I'm like, Rachel, shut up. <laughs> You're fine. Like these are like tiny little details that are so insignificant. Like seeing a kid, my son's age, my son's seven, he's literally without shoes digging in the sewer for something. And I'm like, all right, like, what can I do here? How can I contribute? What can I learn? How can I grow? And that's what it's been in the past month. It's been a month and a day since we got here. And it's been a lot of growth. <laughs> That's, that's incredible. And I think you gain a lot of perspective, gratitude, humility, when you position yourself or you move into a place that's, that's scary, that's challenging, that you're not used to. I mean, you're in a third world country, right? And yeah. I, I can only imagine the adjustments that had to be made. Maybe when you first get there, you're like, man, I missed this about Orlando, or I missed this about this part of the United States, or I wish we had this or wish we had that. And then I'm sure there's probably a light bulb that goes off. It's like, you know what? Like, I think what's really important right now is to be thankful yep. that we can live a good life here. We don't have to starve or we don't have to travel to get water or we don't have to do all these things that a lot of people maybe in that country or in that continent, so to speak, have to do. So what are some of the, the big adjustments that you've had to make personally for this? Like, what, what has been the hardest thing about the transition for you? Oh, the hardest thing. It was not having the ability to walk the baby in the stroller and like go for walks where we were living um, in an apartment because there are no sidewalks and it was like dodging cars and taxis and <laughs> lots of people and just walking with the baby in the carrier trying to get a little exercise. And uh, yeah, trying to make that adjustment was rough. But so one of the things, funny story, when we were in Orlando, we had like an ant infestation, which happens in Florida. It was like ants everywhere. And I was getting so frustrated. They kept coming back and I was like crying. I was so upset. I was like, they keep coming. And here there are ants like all over the place in the kitchen. And I caught myself just being like killing one with my finger and being like, all right, that's fine. Like no big deal. <laughs> just like little, little things get put in perspective of like, is this really a big deal? No, no, no. Like doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. Right. It's like definitely changes your perception of things. Right. And so I guess like the last thing I want to ask is like, has there been anything where you've taken some quiet time either in prayer or meditation or whatever, where you've really said to yourself, like, wow, this has made my life better in this or that way. Has there been any kind of aha moments so far for you? I think the first week when it was really rough with like internet pollution, noise, all the things like it's 
like Africa is just an overwhelming of all the sensations of everything coming at you at once. And I was just praying. I was like, God, why did we choose to come here? Like, this is hard. And it was like, to get you uncomfortable, to get you out of your comfort zone and to show you how blessed you really are. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Like, I got this. And that was kind of like a turning moment for me of like, we can totally do this. Yeah. And I think what happened, especially from you who came from humble beginnings, and then you make it as an entrepreneur and business, you, you forget where you came from. Sometimes it's just human nature to, to forget sometimes. I mean, I think in our best efforts, we try to, but I think life happens. You just want to keep you know, getting better, 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 making more money, impacting more people. And it's just, you forget about it. And then as you make more money and you elevate yourself in business, your priorities and your values kind of change. Maybe things that you never thought were important become important. Things that you never thought wouldn't be important become unimportant. Hmm. And then through that, you kind of, you kind of lose sight of what's meaningful in life. Yeah. And I think for you though, bringing yourself to West Africa and to the place where you met your husband, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like back to the future. I mean, I guess blast from the past, I guess not back blast from the past a little bit. And, and then from there, God helped you get from a really, really horrific moment in your life Mm -hmm. to becoming somebody who's making multiple six figures in your business where most people or a lot of people and rightfully so, with in that state might not have made it out based on their circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were dead broke. Mm-hmm. You were living on food stamps, pregnant, you're married and hopeless and in the depths of despair. So walk the audience a little bit, like what you were feeling during that time. I think you were what 20 in your early twenties, I think, right? Yeah. 23 is what my son was. Yeah. I was around 23, 24. And you were living in France. So at this point we were in Florida. So I finished grad school. We moved to Florida and we were in the attempts to buy in an equestrian property for my mm-hmm. husband to start his business. And I was pregnant. And before we got into that house, we were in like suit, the cheapest motels we could find. And so the first one we stayed at, there was literal bed bugs that I was getting bit all over the place. And it was awful. Oh my gosh. So as soon as we found out what it was and it was so dirty and ended up actually being where they did like drug deals, <laughs> we didn't realize how bad it was until we left. We're like, whoa. Then we went to another place where we had like a lady smoking and watching TV in the middle of the night. And then we finally got into our house and oh, like it was incredible. My husband was able to start his business and we were still struggling because I, the only job I could find with my master's in the number one program in the country in social work was cleaning equipment at our local gym for minimum wage. And I was like, this is not what I was put on the planet to do. Like, was, there just not a dem- was there just not a demand for it? No, not a demand, not a demand for social work specifically in what I was doing. And all the jobs that were hiring were for people that had paid work experience. And Mm. I just graduated. I was like, I've had a ton of experience in Africa and started all these things, but it was all free, like internship experience basically. And so they weren't even interested in looking at what I had to offer. So that was when I was like, Hmm what could I do? Like, what can right. I do in this situation? The cleaning equipment at the gym, it was such a slap in the face. And I remember having to leave my son and feeling invisible and thinking, I can't do this. Like, this is not what I'm here to do. So I was a part of network marketing company at that time. And I saw other people having success and I was like, they did it. I could do it too. Like they figured something else out. 
And I'm really grateful that I'm very stubborn in that I'm just going to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying until I figure it out. And that's what I did. And I found this program that was teaching social media and I wanted to learn how to use social media, grow my business. And I remember it was like $450 a month for six months, which at the time was like a million dollars. Like it was so much money. And I had that feeling in my gut, like I was supposed to do this program. So I remember going to my husband and being like, I like just cried. I'm supposed to do this. Oh my gosh. I know it's so expensive. And he's like, go for it. Like you go for it. And I'm so grateful he had that faith in me. And I remember we sold our car. We sold all of our bedroom furniture, except for our bed, our dining room table, our TV. So I could do this program. And that program took us from $20,000 a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year within two years. And that was like the launching pad of me being able to grow my impact and my influence online. Wow. That's, that's super inspiring. So do you think, so what do you think, what, what, what was it that really forced you to take that first step? Cause there's a lot of people I think that were, have been in your shoes or maybe they are in a similar spot and they're like, like, I really want to do this thing, but I just don't know. I really want to do this thing, but I don't want to sacrifice the money or the time. Was there a certain moment where you just broke down or was it just a, a time where you were like, you know what, I'm doing this. I'm committing myself for my family and for our future. One specific moment that stands out was I was pushing my son TJ in the stroller, going from pawn shop to pawn shop, trying to sell stuff out of our house to get our bank account out of the negative. And I remember like bringing my jewelry and stuff and the pawn shop being like, this is worthless. Like we can't take this. You'll get like 20 bucks from it and being like, oh. And then looking at my son and thinking like, that's not the kind of life I want him to have. That's not what I want his childhood to be like. This is not like, I want him to know that you don't have to struggle. And I wanted to be able to provide for him. And so when I found that program, it was like, yes, we can't afford it. How can we afford it? So instead of just telling yourself that story of I can't afford it, that's what keeps so many people stuck. Like you, they see something they want or something that's going to help them or a coach or a mentor, whatever that might be. And they tell them, Ooh, that's too expensive. I can't afford it. If you just shifted that to how can I afford it and figure it out? Like so many of the mentors that I've had were broke and they figured out a way because they didn't put that limitation on themselves. You're right. And I think you change when the pain of your current state becomes greater than the pain of changing for the future or something like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we wait for that moment. Like you have, when you're pushing that stroller going from pawn shop to pawn shop being like, man, like I know it's going to be really hard to take that first step and start a business or get a new job or get into network marketing or whatever the case was, that's going to be really, really challenging. But in yeah. this moment right now, the pain of pushing my, kid in a stroller and being like, am I going to be able to provide for him next year, next month? That's really painful. And a lot of people don't think about that. Like I always say, whatever you're trying to achieve in life, whether it's a goal, whether it's an ambition, you have to attach a deep rooted why to that mm -hmm. before life attaches it for you because yep. life will throw you curveballs. And you saw what happened in 2020, like it threw everyone a curveball. I don't care who you were. And it attached a why for a lot of people to have to change what they were doing, right? Yep. Whether that was right or wrong. So I think it's really admirable, like what you did. So I think for one of the things I wanted to ask you too, among that is what were some things that helped you manage the, the adversity and the storm of going from somebody who had next to nothing and you're building this business, you're learning new things, you're hiring coaches, like what kept you grounded during the process? Because as we know, like being an entrepreneur, doing anything different, 
it can be really stormy. It can be very challenging. There's a lot of ups and downs. And I think what breaks people is they don't manage their own mental and emotional health, spiritual health mm-hmm. too. And it prevents them from actually moving forward in a productive way. So what were some of the things that helped you? Over the past decade of entrepreneurship, I think having a solid morning routine, doing devotionals, being a part of Bible study, being really focused on putting myself in growth opportunities. And so I'm like constantly growing. So I've gone, like, I think of all the seminars and things that I've done, like over the past year, I did a four and a half month leadership training program. It was like a container that I was in of like super in-depth leadership training. Before that, I went to Tony Robbins business mastery and date with destiny and like all these different things or hiring a, a business mentor, joining a mastermind. I'm always thinking like, what's that next level? where are the people that are at where I want to be and how can I get in that room with them? Like, how can I hang around them and learn the things that they're learning? How can I get that support? How can I find that mentor who's been there before me? Tony Robbins says you can compress decades into days when you have the right strategy. So I'm like, who has the strategy? And who can help me overcome my own limiting beliefs? And so hiring a mentor who's great at business, but also great at leadership, who can see my blind spots because we all have. And so making sure I'm always thinking like, how can I keep growing? What's that right. next level look like? Yeah, absolutely. And I think having discipline in your life through a morning mm-hmm. routine, through a devotional, through prayer, fitness, being a part of accountability groups, it creates new normals for you, right? And it's how you yeah. up-level your game because what tends to happen, I think, is people when they're in their old self, let's just say, and let's just say they have no routine and they're not making hardly any money, not doing what they want. Like that's their normal. Hmm. So the minute that they want to make a change, they now have to create new habits and behaviors that support that. And it takes time. So when you start to say, okay, I'm going to commit to doing these little things every single day and stack some wins, it creates a new normal. So if you, you know, implement like for you, devotional prayer, accountability groups, masterminds, coaches, whatever you did for three weeks, four weeks, um, like two months, whatever. Now you have a new normal. Now it's like second nature. Now you've created some stability in your life so that you can weather the storms that you have a foundation to build off of when things don't go um, your way. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. A lot of people will try to go from zero to 50 or zero to a hundred or whatever, without like breaking it down on how they're going to get there. What do they need to do on a daily basis? How can they take care of themselves for when things get hard? And they end up falling flat on their face. And you're right. Like when you have the right coach, when you have the right mentor, you can compress time like crazy. Using Tony Robbins as an example, right? Going to one of his events where I don't know how long he's been doing it, but let's just say conservatively 25 years. Right, right, right. I know it's, I was just like, I was just trying to think about how old he was. I know when he started. He's in his 60s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, he's been doing it forever. Yeah. And if he can teach, that that long of experience and wisdom in five, six, seven days for you. Yeah. And it's priceless in itself. For sure. Taking taking out the price tag of whatever the event costs. And that's yep. just one example of many. I mean, whatever you're trying to do, right? Yep. And I think one of the things that I think people will get a lot out of during this is you hit a, a roadblock in your business hmm. where social media just you just weren't able to get the same results through so social media and marketing that you were when you started because of the changes and how the the companies had the algorithms and who was seeing stuff and you pivoted into Pinterest, right? And blogging. Yeah. 
So how quick did you make that decision? Because a lot of people, when stuff like this happens, they ponder and ponder and ponder and they wait until it's too late until everyone's like already jumped on that other ship or that their business has suffered enough where it's just not feasible for them to continue what they're doing. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, I want to let you know this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. If you're anything like me, you have a lot going on and it can be challenging at times to maintain effective nutritional habits and give your body the nutrients it needs to thrive. This is where Athletic Greens really helps me. Their all-in-one superfood powder is nutrient-packed and is included in my daily smoothie without fail or serves as a quick pick-me-up in between appointments and interviews. Personally, I have noticed that it helps with my digestion, energy, and immune system One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. Plus, they are committed to helping people strengthen their immune systems. Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system with everything going on in the world right now. This includes their offer for my listeners. They are offering my audience a free, free one-year supply of vitamin D, which many people are deficient in, yet is crucial for immune system support, and they are also giving away five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Doug and join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Doug and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Now back to the show. You got to make a quick decision. Like entrepreneurs make decisions quickly. And so when something's not working, get curious. I think a lot of times people think it's not working because I'm doing something wrong or it's my fault or I suck or I'm terrible. Or they have these like beliefs of worthiness and all these things. And I was just thinking like when something doesn't work in my business, I get curious and I'm wondering, Hmm, like this launch didn't go as well as our past launch did. Like, why is that? What, what was missing or what could we do better to improve upon the next time? So get curious when stuff like that happens and then just think, how can I take massive action moving forward? And so if Facebook and Instagram aren't working, what's that? thing that I can take massive action on. And so at the time it was Pinterest and blogging. All right, let's take massive action on Pinterest and blogging and getting results there and generating leads with that. When my network marketing company restructured, our income was cut in half. And I'm really happy I learned this lesson back in 2015, 2016, 2017, around that time. Because that's what a lot of people learned in 2020. Like you can't be reliant on one income stream. And so I learned I have to be responsible and do my own thing. I can't, like I was an entrepreneur kind of with network marketing, but I was not in control because I was working harder and harder and harder. My income kept going down. So I was like, all right, time to make a new decision and hire a business mentor who's going to show me what I need to do. And so finding that person, making that decision, not second guessing myself and just saying, this is the person I have the gut feeling like we're going all in. Yeah, you're right. And I think some of the most successful entrepreneurs are very decisive. They make decisions Mm -hmm. like very quickly when things uh, are going wrong. They stop the bleeding very quickly. I mean, they, they know that the bleeding happens or they accept it, but they're like, all right, I'm going to let it, I'm going to, you know, let it bleed a little bit. Maybe I'll have some self-pity or play the victim for like an hour or whatever and be like, but then it's like, all right, what can I do to control it and move towards a solution? It's very quick. Right. And I'm sure there's maybe some people that just, just instantly, like when something goes wrong, they're like pivot now. 
So, yep. but I, but I also want to let people know that it's normal when something goes wrong or you get thrown a curveball to have this sense of shame or feel bad or be upset. It's normal. You're a human being and you care about your business, but what's not okay. in in my opinion, in my experience is sitting in that for so long to where it holds you back from moving forward. So one of the things I also wanted to mention is, yeah, and network marketing is, from my understanding, there's a lot of people that say they're entrepreneurs, but in reality, it's not their business. Like it's not like these companies can change their payment structure within a matter of seconds. And then what? Because you don't have, you really don't have control over what happens. And you saw that happen. I think, was it AdvoCare a few years ago? Did they change? Yeah. They, all the companies change at some point, pretty much like it's not anything you're doing in your life, in your business. It's not secure. Tomorrow's not promised. And 2020 definitely showed a lot of us that like you could be in an industry that you thought was a secure study jobs, secure study paycheck, and then an entire industry collapse. Right. And so you got to think, how can I create another income stream for my business? or create another income stream outside of my business even. So like we're here in Senegal and we're thinking, how can we start a business here and use the money that I'm generating from this business and invest it into something else? Right. So what are some things you're looking to get into down there? Oh my goodness. We have so many ideas. Is it more like development based where you're helping out the country or is it more like, I just want to make the community better or is it just something that has nothing to do with I think that we can change the community by starting businesses and providing jobs for people that don't have jobs. And so we have a nonprofit and we're able to help people through our nonprofit, but also I know that we can employ a ton of people here. And so thinking of there's so many opportunities and my husband and I were seeing everything. Like there's so many problems that need to be solved and like little things, like there's no tow truck here. So if your car breaks down, you like tie a rope to someone else's car and hope they can pull you. There's no (laughs) like U-Haul or storage facilities, like little things that you don't even think about. It just doesn't exist. And so we wanted to get into real estate and like build real estate buildings. And we're like, we're just going to wait like six months and see like everything and see what happens. And so like one of the things too, is like daycare of looking at the daycares around here and knowing would I trust these people with my 10 month old baby? I'm not sure. Could we create one for the area that doesn't exist with super high standards? Maybe. So we're just looking at like, what are the problems in the area? How could we solve them? And we're being patient and giving ourselves time to like fully absorb the community, the area and knowing what we can really do moving forward. That's awesome. I think anytime it's like purpose-driven work or trying to make a difference in the community or economic development, I think it's twofold, right? It helps the community and then it also helps you because you're, you're feeling fulfilled and not just successful. You feel like you're making yeah. an impact and a difference. So I know it goes back to like your mission in life. So I want to stay on this because something just came up in my mind that I wanted to ask you. Like you, you mentioned the thing about your car broke down, like what you would have to do where you live compared to here. If you could give the audience, what are a few things that like what you've learned from living there, like that we take for granted over here in the United States? Oh man. So just places for your kids to play. Like there's really not a lot of places for like leisure things and fun activities. Being able to go like deliver Amazon, Amazon delivery. We don't have Amazon here. There's Uh, no Amazon? No, there's no post. um, There's no mailman. So my husband and I went to the post office downtown and opened up a P.O. box. And we don't get notified if we get mail there. We have to actually go to the P.O. box to see if we have mail. So no mailman. Oh man. You don't drink the water, obviously. So I have bottled water traffic. 
you don't think about traffic, but like driving, I was terrified to drive because it's insanity. Like there's horse-drawn carriages and there's people and bikes and scooters and there's no rules. Everyone does whatever they feel like doing. There's like a one stoplight, I think that I've seen. It's like (laughs) people everywhere. So people are just crossing in front of the street or they're walking on the side of the road or they'll just stop randomly and take a phone call. It's like, you do what you feel. So I was like, I don't think I can drive here. And my husband's like, yes, you can, you can do it. So I did. And the first time I was like, like so nervous. And when I got to the place I wanted to go to, I was like, I did it. Like I could actually drive. Like it was like my big, like conquering the fear of the moment. And when you do that, that builds confidence. So find the thing that scares you and actually do it. Ooh, internet and phone, like having unlimited internet is something that we didn't have. And so you'll just like run out of credit or something. If you're not on top of it, electrical shortages, whenever they feel like turning it off or water shortages, we <laughs> have been a paved road because we didn't have one at the apartment. It was all sand. And so like being able to walk the baby in the stroller, we can't hear, but our other location in the other part of the city, we couldn't. And I was like, I didn't realize how much I took for granted just being able to go for a walk with Gabrielle every day. And now I can't, but when we were living in the other part, I couldn't not having in the other area too. In and that's how like a lot of people live. We're in a nicer neighborhood right now, but before it was a lot of pollution, a lot of traffic. Like I'd go for a walk down the street and I wouldn't walk with my AirPods and like listen to an audiobook or a podcast like I normally would because I just didn't feel safe doing that. I didn't, so it's, like, pretty da- it's pretty dangerous? Just... I wouldn't necessarily say dangerous, but I already stand out being white. I don't want to draw more attention to myself than I really need to. Being able to take a taxi and feeling like you're safe because the taxis are falling apart and like the windows are either broken or there's no seatbelt. And then you roll down the window and it's like a huge whiff of the pollution. (laughs) You're like, oh, keep the window closed. Air conditioning too. Air conditioning is a big one. It's not, it's like winter right now. So it's not, it gets hot during the day, but in a couple of months I'll be feeling that i could go on and on i swear is the community there like are they pretty much do they embrace you or are they like asking you questions like why oh, everyone is so sweet like if i were to bring you you met tj my son right when i asked him i'm like tj what's one of the things that you've like noticed about senegal because like my first week i was so focused on the negative of like oh my gosh it's so dirty polluted it stinks it's loud and my son is like the people here are so kind and so generous did you see what that man just did like he helped us with our groceries he put it in the car they're so nice and i'm like man kid like I can learn from you. I like your perspective. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can learn a lot with like a lot of people who maybe aren't used to having a lot of things like maybe people have in the United States. Yeah. They just put their values and their efforts maybe into different things, being of service, working with what they have, being thankful, helping other people. I'm not saying that Americans don't do that, but I think it's probably pretty... It's much more obvious, I think, when you go to a third world country, as I'm sure you're observing. You don't waste anything. Yeah. So like I, I, we finished the yogurt container and I went to throw it away and there's no recycling here. That's another thing. There's plastic all over the place. It's awful. And we have someone helping out with like cooking and cleaning around the house. And she took it out of the garbage. She's like, on a jet pas. And like, we don't throw this away. Like she's using that to like store stuff in the kitchen. She's like, we don't throw away anything. Like, and I finished my jar of peanut butter that I brought from America. America and it's a sad day that it's gone. And I gave it to her. I'm like, here, you can use this too. She's like, perfect. Like we're not throwing it away. That's wild. No, it's, it's cool. And I think it's admirable what you y'all have done and why you're down there and to be able to kind of make a difference in that community. 
And then also, I think just seeing the silver lining and everything and saying, okay, like these are some things that I took for granted. And I'm sure it's going to make you at the end of the day, a better mom, better business person, better wife, better friend, because now you're like, okay, maybe I've forgotten about some of the things that were really meaningful to me, helping others like in an authentic way or spending time with your kids or being creative in a way where you're spending time with your kids. Cause you're so used to, I think in the States from what I observe, I don't have kids, but there's your, your standard things you do with your kids. You go to the park, you go on play dates, you go to maybe like a, a kid's museum or the zoo yeah. or aquarium or something like that, where it's pretty standard and straightforward or there it's like, it's so much different and you got to really, hone in on your creativity be like all right let's get back to maybe playing outside and being active or playing games or what can i do to change the the dynamic of my kids environment by being more playful and being more fun and then also the other thing too i'm sure that was a big adjustment is there's no rules on the road like you have to be much more focused so that means like no scrolling through instagram or texting while driving like it's a real yeah it's gonna be like severely life-threatening if if you do, just from a safety perspective. Absolutely. Just like watching my son, I'm like, all right, TJ, you can't just touch things here like you would in America because he's very curious. <laughs> yeah. And they're, like, there's not really safety standards and regulations. So like when we came to visit when he was five, he went to grab like a, an open wire, basically, that was hanging. And I was like, TJ, don't do it. Like you can't touch <laughs> stuff that you don't know what it does. Like I know you're curious. I know you want, but you cannot do that. Yeah. yeah so those are just like, little things. I think it's important for people to, to hear that because I think in times where gratitude is such a buzzword, I talk about this a lot and we're told to be grateful. We're told to write down things, but like, how do you really live it? Like, how do you embrace that feeling of gratitude and honestly be thankful for things? Like I was uh, talking to somebody last night and I just said, Hey, it's one thing to, to write down that you're thankful for your body. It's another thing to prove it. Like, are you exercising? How are you eating? Yeah. Are you moving when you can? Are you stretching or, and all the things? Like, cause that's how you show yourself that you're grateful to have your body, yep. right? It's just like, okay, I'm grateful for my spouse, but how are you treating that person? Like, are you really showing it? And I think the, the reason I wanted to de- take a deeper dive in this as the conversation pivoted that way is because this is how you're really learning to embrace gratitude. It's just by oh, yeah. your lifestyle. And and so with all that said, I want to shift into something that I think the audience is going to get a lot out of, and that's, that's Pinterest. And social media these days, it's no secret that it gets a lot of negative press, and, and rightfully so for some of the reasons, right? It's easy to fall into the comparison trap. It's easy to watch somebody's posting just their highlight reels, and there's people getting in fights and on, in comments and stuff like that. But there's a lot of good that I think can come from social media, and your expertise is specifically, I guess, and more in Pinterest, which I'm not nearly as familiar with, but I know people that I'm connected to use it a lot. Can you maybe explain to the audience maybe some, some ways Pinterest can actually help them become better versions of themselves, like some, what type of content it provides, information they can get, stuff like that? The thing about Pinterest is it's a search engine and you can be really specific with what you want to see on the platform. So like with Facebook and Instagram, you're kind of scrolling and you're at the mercy of the logarithm of what it shows you. And with Pinterest, you can say, I want to look up gratitude quotes, inspiration, Mm. or whatever it is that you're looking to find. And that's what you'll find. Like you'll, so it's the thing about Pinterest. I love is just, it's a search engine and you typically don't see a lot of like 
negativity, right? There's not people that are arguing and doing things. It's mostly people that are creating content that's adding value to someone else's life. And so you're there, you're searching for something specific, you find it and you can go check it out. And then Pinterest will recommend more of that stuff for you. And one of the things I love to do with it is create a vision board. And so find the things that inspire you, the things that you're looking to create in your life and search for that and create a board of like the things I'm looking to create in 2021. That's awesome. And I think there's a lot of people that maybe misunderstand what Pinterest is. Cause if I think of Pinterest, I didn't know it was a search engine. I just thought it was a place yeah. where you can kind of see pictures and people post recipes, they post photos, they, but I know that you can get um, like different, I think patterns on there, I think for, for knitting. I think my grandmother was telling me and rest, obviously there's recipes, there's like home improvement stuff for people trying to figure out how they can redecorate things. So I think it's, it's fascinating how much value can actually bring just from one app where you look at Instagram and Facebook, a lot of people are posting, I don't want to say about themselves, but it's not as, I don't think it's as informative maybe as Pinterest from what you're, you're telling me, right? I think, yeah, because it's not as, it's not a search engine. So Pinterest, you can actually search for different things and you can just find it based on what you search. Whereas Instagram, I don't, I mean, I know there's some keywords in Instagram, but mainly people are just searching for hashtags. They're searching for people on there versus actual like ways to improve. So say I wanted to redecorate my kitchen. Mm -hmm. Would I just go onto Pinterest and I would search kitchen design, kitchen home improvement, and then a bunch of ideas would pop up. Exactly. And then you could get even more specific with your search term of like, minimalist kitchen design and think about like how you want it to look. And so you can get really creative and specific with your search terms to see what else is going to pop up. That's awesome. Yeah. I think people are going to get a lot out of that too, because there's a lot, I mean, especially now with more people working from home and people trying to downsize and be more minimalist, if you will, just because people, I think during the pandemic have realized that maybe they have too much thing, too many things around around the house because they spent more time in the house and they're like, wow, like yeah. I didn't even know I had all these things or I didn't know I had this still. Yeah. And then also people are looking for things to do with their time yep. and taking up new hobbies, arts and crafts, decorating, that sort of thing is something that I think is going to be going to be trendy and continue to be trendy. So I want to get back into like the Pinterest and how you built Pinterest. So what were some of the things that you did to build something? consistently and successfully because there's, I think, I don't care if someone's trying to build a Pinterest account, someone's trying to build a social media following a business. I think a lot of people become impatient and try to short circuit success. And what ends up happening is they end up becoming a flash in the pan for a day or a week, or maybe even a month. And they fall on their face because they haven't built the foundation and they don't have a plan on how to be successful on a consistent basis. The biggest thing is be consistent. So show up, you can pin every day and add value. So create content that's going to add value to your ideal client and think about what is it that they're searching for on the platform. And so get inside of your head and think, all right, I teach Instagram marketing. When they're on Pinterest, you can actually go to the Pinterest search bar and start typing in Instagram marketing and see what Pinterest starts to autofill. And that's what people are actually searching for on the platform. And so I would create, let's actually do this right now because this is fun. This is the fun stuff. All right, go to Pinterest and then type in the search bar, Instagram. 
then marketing, and then it starts to autofill. So there's Instagram marketing tips, Instagram marketing strategy, Instagram marketing tips, how to grow Instagram marketing plan. So those are all long tail keywords that you could use on the platform. So let's say I wanted to create a blog post and it's like five Instagram marketing tips to use in 2021. That's something my ideal client is searching for. That's a blog post that I can create to put on the platform. That's going to then, when someone's searching for it, you create a pin to go with it. They click on the pin, they land on your blog post. So you're driving traffic. And then you have some form of opt-in that you can capture that person's name and email address. So they read the post, they're like, dang, this was helpful. And then they see you have a free Instagram marketing guide that's going to show them 10 smart ways that they can grow on Instagram in 2021. They're going to say, yes, this is exactly what I want. Boom, they're on your email list. And then you really can start to nurture and develop that relationship with that person. Gosh, that's so awesome. And I think what's what's cool though about Pinterest too is like a lot of the memes people will post or a lot of the quotes, a lot of them come from Pinterest. That's number one. But the more importantly, it can curate your content and what pins you see based on your interests, right? If I remember correctly, like you can put in, okay, I'm into health, fitness, maybe you're into cars, tattoos, whatever it is. And then in your search or in your homepage, that's what you'll be shown where I think that's very different than Instagram and Facebook where like Instagram and Facebook, you can like certain pages, but there's not like a search bar where you can select what you're into. And then it'll just bring up all the accounts that are relevant to that. Yep. I don't think it's a specific. Well, that's awesome. I, I didn't know a lot of that. So thanks for uh, enlightening me and the audience, because there's people don't talk about Pinterest nearly as much as the other platforms. I mean, people, I think indirectly use it because somebody will post a recipe maybe, or, some sort of idea for their dining room or their living room, but they won't like actually utilize the app in a way that they can actually consume content that will help them. Yeah. So I think where I want to go now to, as we kind of wrap this up is I want to take you back to the very beginning. And because there's a lot of people that are listening to this right now that they are your 23 year old self. There's people that are in the depths of addiction right now. There's people that have just lost their, their, their job and have, lost hope and unsure of, of what's going on in their life. And they're feeling lost. And then, and I'm sure very similar to how you felt when you were 23. So if you had to go back, let's just say that with what you know now, and realistically, so to speak, you could give that 23 year old self a blueprint on how to get better yeah, in a way that would allow them to get you to where you are today. What would you tell her? Ooh, I love that question. (laughs) Don't be afraid to ask people for support and find a mentor and be persistent in finding someone that'll actually help you. I think I was like too shy or self-conscious or like I might be would have reached out to someone once and then they didn't respond or they would say no. And I'd be like, okay, that's enough. Like be really persistent in going after what it is that you want and be persistent in getting the support that you need or the mentorship that you need. Cause that'll get you way further, way faster than trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. I think that's so true because I, well, I think there's a big thing with people where they're afraid to ask for help because I think people somehow correlate asking for help that they're weak or they have a problem or they're not good enough. When in reality, I think for me, it was not wanting to like bother somebody yeah, like, yeah, Oh, exactly. they're so, yeah, they're so busy. So I don't want to bug them. 
Yeah. I mean, there's obviously, there's that too. They say, oh, they don't have the time or they're busy. I don't want to bother them. But then when you don't ask, it's always no. Like that's what I try. Yes. Like if I don't get up out of my chair and go and ask for help, I'm telling myself no already. Yeah. I'm telling myself I'm not worthy. I'm telling myself that I don't believe in myself. I'm telling myself I don't deserve to get better by not asking. And I think, and then on the other side, and I was alluding to a minute ago about where people, they think there's something wrong with them or that they are weak or whatever. Like, no, like you already, if that's how you feel, nothing's going to change unless you put yourself out there and ask for help. And I think it's very admirable and it shows that you're strong and humble and have humility. And I think the ego tries to protect us, right? The ego tries to protect our sense of self by saying like, okay, like if I ask for help, that means that I'm going to look bad. So it's protecting your image and and holding you back from making that decision. And I think faith comes in and saying, you know what? Like I have faith that I'm going to ask this person for help and it can be the catalyst for a big change in my life based on a getting better at being vulnerable, being humble yeah. and knowing yeah. that I don't, I don't have everything figured out because I think the moment we think we know everything, we know nothing. Totally. The you more know? I learn, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you have to work that vulnerability and uncomfortable muscle a lot because yeah. in life, there's always going to be discomfort. There's always going to be challenges and you never want to be the smartest person in the room. Nope. Your environment starts to rub off on you. So if you're around a bunch of people that or say playing at like C-level, then you're going to be a C-level entrepreneur, C-level person, C-level business person, because that's just your normal. But if you're around people that are really taking it to the next level and they're like A leaders and they're like A business owners, like then you're going to become like an A person. Yep, absolutely. And it's just the same with anything else in life. So where I guess as we come to a close, I want to really thank you once again for sharing your story, sharing your knowledge, being vulnerable about what it's been like to transition to moving to where you're living. Senegal, right? Yeah, Senegal. Senegal. Because I think a lot of people, I, I mean, they may not relate, but they, I hopefully it'll hit them in the chest a little bit and say, maybe I have taken these few things for granted or it gets them thinking and saying, you know what, like, I need to do a better job at working on the things that I do have or spending more time with my family or loved ones. So what's next for you? Oh my goodness. Business is here. That's what I'm excited about is like, we're still getting settled. I have an office, hallelujah, but we don't have closets or anything. So like getting settled and yeah, they don't have closets here. That's another thing. So we get to have like wardrobes built and that kind of thing, getting settled and then deciding on our first business that we want to start here. Awesome. So where can people find out more about you if they want to connect with you? Uh, we have the She's Making an Impact podcast. So you can go ahead and check that out. If you want to see behind the scenes of Senegal and that kind of thing, you can follow me on Instagram at She's Making an Impact. And then if you want to learn more about Pinterest, you can attend my free Pinterest class. It's just freepinterestclass.com. Rachel, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And thank you once again for sharing your message, sharing your tips, explaining Pinterest for those of us who don't understand it and uh, for everything we talked about today. And for those listening, as always, all that we ask is that you, you share the episode. If it touched your heart, maybe take a screenshot is the easiest way and tag Rachel, tag myself. And maybe with a big takeaway, maybe it was something in her story of how she went from living on food stamps to being a successful entrepreneur, or maybe it was some of the things she shared on perspective on living in West Africa 
Maybe it was something about Pinterest that you might implement in your life, whatever it is, just do that. And we'd love to hear from you. And we thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.